My grandmother looked at me more seriously than I'd seen her in a long time, and she said, I have some bad news for you. So I asked her what it was, and she told me, in all seriousness, your head has been cut off. What? Could you repeat that? Your head's been cut off. Okay, that's what I thought you said. And no joke, first thing I did is I reached up and felt my neck. Like, <laughs> no, my head's still there. Didn't leave it at, like, the grocery store or something. And so, obviously, the next question is, who cut off my head? Because those are the types of things you want to know in a crisis. And my grandmother replied, well, your mom did. So I looked over at my mom, who was in the room with me, and the moment we made eye contact, we just burst out laughing because it was the funniest thing I had heard all week. See, my grandmother was saying these types of things because she has dementia. She's had it for about three years, and in that time, we've had literally months in the hospital. We've had a time where she's stayed at our house. More drama than I can tell you about. But the story I want to tell you all tonight is what has become known in my house as the most depressing Christmas ever. <laughs> I know, it's a lot of fun, right? But essentially, two years ago, my dad decided we should go down and visit my grandmother for Christmas. Because at that time, she, my grandmother couldn't live on her own anymore, so at that time, she was living down in Oregon with Judy. Now, who Judy is is a little bit awkward for me to explain because nobody likes to talk about their grandmother's sex life, <laughs> and a little bit because my grandmother was a private person, but as near as my family can figure out, Judy was my grandmother's lesbian lover. So despite that awkwardness, we're going down to visit them for Christmas. So, you know, get on a plane, check into the hotel, rent a car, and we go over to Judy's house, and it's just utterly suburban, right? Clean cut, green grass, and you go in, and it's a pretty big house, but the walls are this clinical white color, and there's just stuff everywhere. There's magazines and newspapers and Sudoku puzzles, and there are like five Santas, and there's this fish on the wall, and you know, it's one of those where you press the red button, and it would sing, don't worry, be happy, <laughs> and my little brother really liked to press that button. And so it became like a soundtrack for our evening. And so we sit down to dinner, and they don't even have a dining room table. So we're sitting around the coffee table. Me and my brother are on the floor. And looking back on that evening now, it became very representative of what the next couple of years with my grandmother would be like. Because my dad was in the kitchen cooking there, I suppose, but he didn't really understand or know what was going on. And my mom was sitting there, losing her mother in a horrible way and trying to make sure that whatever was left of her mother was there for as long as possible and as comfortable as possible. While, of course, raising two kids and having a business of her own. And Judy's sitting on the other side of my grandmother, totally berating my mom, saying that she never knew what her mom was like, implying that she never really loved her mother, that she's treating her like a piece of meat. And in between insulting my mother, Judy's sneaking off to the basement to have a drink, which we later learned she did more than was strictly proper. <laughs> my grandmother actually had to move up to Alaska after Judy broke her arm on a binge one night. But Judy's also there next to my grandmother, and she's 
doting on her in this weird way. Nobody knows with dementia how much of a person is really there, but we know they're not coming back. There's no cure for this. And Judy is sitting there trying to rekindle a person, a relationship that's just never coming back. And I almost want to shake her. She's this little, like, 85-pound granny. And I want to be like, do you understand what's going on here? Do you get the significance of what you're wrapped up in? This isn't coming back. This is the end. And she's just not getting that. And I'm sitting there trying not to think about what's going on because it's frankly not that fun. And my brother is pushing the red button. Don't worry, be happy. But the worst part about that evening, yes, there is a worst part, was Don, D-O-N. And Don is Judy's husband. My grandmother's lover's husband, living with them at the same time. <laughs> and Don... Don at that time was in the late stage of Parkinson's. So Judy had one woman who was losing her mind and a husband who was slowly losing all function over his body. And you know, in Parkinson's, he still has a full capability over, you know, he can still think. And he's sitting there watching everything that's going on. And I think that was the night he figured it out. As I said, my grandmother was very secretive about their relationship, especially in the time that it happened. And Don is sitting there looking at his wife, doting on another woman who's not going to make her happy after he dies, because he knows he was dying, and he actually did die two weeks after that day. And I couldn't tell you what was going through his head, but it must have been something like, who is this woman I've been spending my life with? What has my life meant? What's it going to be afterwards? And I got to tell you, after that, my entire family, we went back to our hotel room, finally got out of that house, and we just cried for a good couple of hours about what our lives would mean. What is the meaning of it all? And trying to find a moral to that story for this story. It seems to be that a year later, when your grandmother is so far gone that she can tell you in all seriousness that your head has been cut off, that it's much better to laugh about it than to go home and cry. <laughs>